0: You're listening to the highlighted podcast brought to you by All Sports Culture.
1: Final for
0: the win. Touchdown! Welcome back, everyone, to Highlighted and All Sports Culture podcast. Sam, Kurt, we're back. No Sully, we're going to have no Sully for a <laughs> little bit now. Now, quick question before we start the mic sounding good because i listened back on last episode and it was like a little funky
1: oh okay weird um it sounds good right now i okay. think okay. uh hopefully on your end it's not the worst because for no me, it's good it's
0: fine it's good now but i wasn't back and there were a couple moments where i was like you know i unacceptable i am trying to be 100 to my listeners and i just wasn't
1: when we get the studio we'll be chilling Yeah, oh, we'll just
0: the studio we're gonna have the three seats and due MPs. time and yeah. due time and we got a think- turner cut out yeah we got this not not, not anymore oh uh, well well well, Which- well we'll give him a second chance it's not a big deal <laughs> all right, all uh- <laughs> but regardless though we have a lot to talk about today um we'll get right into it um we're first gonna start with the three big NBA trades that have happened and who knows there could be some that happen while we're recording this podcast or there could be breaking news yeah. right before this also Bradley Beal was announced he was going to miss the rest of the year. And, you know, something like that could happen as we go on with the podcast. So if there's an emergency drop, we'll uh, make sure we talk about it.
1: It is uh, 541 Eastern time on February 8th, 2022 right now. So do not blame us if this releases after a trade happens in between this getting posted and us recording this. Because this trade deadline has already been fucking nuts. Like just it's, we talked about this last week. We're like, Oh, the Norman Powell trade that was really bad. And it could be setting up something with the blazers selling. Um, Obviously we'll get into the CJ McCollum trade. Um, And that could make for a exciting deadline. And there's been a ton of rumors going around about certain players. Obviously some teams like Indiana are selling, which we'll get to. They have two trades involved today. Um, and, yeah, I mean, this isn't a trade deadline day. It's a trade deadline week. Like, we've already seen all of the big dominoes fall for the most part, aside from maybe the James Harden domino. Well, I
0: do have a lot to say about that as well. We, we so. can talk
1: about that. We can talk about that as well. I know we did not plan on And it, outside. We I brought know it we just, up in the last episode.
0: Yeah. And if Turner gets dealt. But we'll talk about that when we talk about Sabonis. So that's basically yeah. the only big one I can really think of.
1: And just a note, um, th- we talked about this on last episode. We were like talking about certain rumors that were popping up. And I brought up the rumor that James Harden might want out and go to Philadelphia. And that was before Shams dropped that story on mm-hmm. it all. And literally, like, an hour after we were It was, like, 20
0: minutes. It, it felt was like it.
1: Shams drops that entire article, and we're like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. Because that at that point, we didn't have, like, a reputable source saying all that stuff. We had, like, r- rumors from lots of different sources, but we didn't have the source. But right. the thing is, Shams is reporting and Woj is reporting... I don't know if you want to kick it off with James Harden because we're kind of already there. Yeah, that's fine with me. Um, I can do that. Shams' is reporting and Woj's reporting on this James Harden situation is very different, um, if you haven't realized, because Shams dropped that entire article basically saying the Sixers and the Nets are open to doing a James Harden for Ben Simmons trade. Uh, That's basically what it boiled down to. The Nets are going to want more than just Ben Simmons. The Sixers think Ben Simmons is enough, um, yada, yada, we're not really going to talk about the details of what a trade could be because I inherently don't think it's going to happen, um, personally, but, um, what Woj has been saying is he went on NBA countdown and NBA today. That's, I think that's the show Malik Andrews hosts. Um, he basically said that Harden has reiterated to the to the nets that he wants to be there and that he's committed. Steve Nash has come out and said that they're not trading him. Um, But that could just be coach speak and want, you can't just come out publicly and say, I want to trade this player. You know, you can't do that. I mean, we'll get to the Kings. Uh, They just had a week ago, they had Shams post that they weren't going to trade Fox or Halliburton. And guess what? Halliburton got traded. So don't believe anything that these people say until after the deadline. Um, But, Kurt, can I get your thoughts on the Harden situation?
0: Yeah, I really want to focus on it from the Sixers standpoint because I think with so many teams, kind of what we've seen so far at the deadline, a lot of those teams that could potentially get over the the hump, hump, the Cavaliers, the Pelicans, you know, just moving into that 10th spot. um, There's teams that are kind of buying at this moment, seeing that they have potential to maybe make noise in the playoffs. I think if you're looking at the Sixers standpoint, you have Joel Embiid, who's playing the best season of his career, and it's probably not going to get replicated in the upcoming years. He's playing at an MVP level and he's the front runner for the MVP right now. Do you really want Ben Simmons, who would be your second best player, sitting on the bench while mm-hmm. this is happening? So mm-hmm. I think even the 76ers, regardless on what Brooklyn is wanting, because obviously, like you just alluded to, Ben Simmons for James Harden straight up makes absolutely no sense for the Brooklyn Nets. The value isn't there to just do a one-on-one swap. That's where it gets complicated in adding picks and other players, et cetera. We know that from past trades and whatever. But for the 76ers, you have Joel Embiid playing at this fantastic level. And look, I don't think James Harden and Joel Embiid is any sort of going to be an like an iconic duo. They just don't really mesh well together. But I think that going back to my previous point on you have Ben Simmons, who obviously has value. I know we like the joke about Ben Simmons and how much he sucks. He was horrible last postseason. He has value, though. No one can argue that his defense has been really good um, throughout his whole career. And he can be, I think, eventually he can kind of get back to his old self we saw in his first couple of seasons, regardless of what we saw in the postseason last year. So he has value there. So I think if you're Philadelphia, you understand that with teams kind of, I don't want to say going all in because I don't think a team other than the Cavaliers maybe, who are just, I think, half game, one game behind that one seed spot. Um, they made a move to get Karis LeVert, which we'll get into later. And I mean, I don't want to know, I don't think NBA contenders is what I classify them as, but definitely if you're the one or two seed in the Eastern Conference, you have every bit of right to kind of go for it. And especially with this um, Cavaliers team who's missing a piece like Karis LeVert, it kind of runs the question, if you're the 76ers, you can have a potential move to make you easily the best team in the East, in my opinion, and that's getting James Harden, who, like I just said, I don't think it makes sense adding Joel Embiid and James Harden on the same team, but the talent's still there, and it's still much better than any scenario you'd have with Ben Simmons just sitting on the bench and not playing on your team, so I think if you're Philadelphia, you have to understand seeing what other teams have done in this past week. You really have to amp it up and go aggressive and try and make a move to get this guy who I know we just said, st- says he wants to stay in Brooklyn, but I think that he would have no problem going to Philadelphia and playing on a t- NBA uh, contender. So
1: um, I listened to Zach Lowe's podcast the other day um, where they really covered this James Harden situation and what the issues he was having were and um, The the situation is that it it does kind of line up with what Shams was saying, where uh, Harden, he came to Brooklyn thinking he would be a part of a three headed monster, you know, opposite of what he was doing in Houston, because in Houston, he played so many minutes, he was so ball dominant, he was playing pretty much everything. And I, we can talk about how his relationships foiled in Houston all we want and how he's been at the center of each of those falling outs with Chris Paul, Dwight Howard, Ross, all that. Um, but that doesn't really matter right now because he thought that's what he was getting in Brooklyn. He thought he was going to be co-stars with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And now. he Kevin Durant is hurt, obviously, um, so you can't really say anything about that, but. He's kind of mad because this tire three-headed monster don't they don't play together like often at all. I think they've played. Do you know how many games? Sixteen. It's not been a
0: lot. I know we talked about a last podcast how they it was weird because they barely played any games last year because it was injuries, load management, um, anything along the lines. And obviously this year you have the unvaccinated status with Kyrie.
1: Yes, and they are they have a ridiculous record. I think they're thirteen and three when. All three of them play Um, a ridiculous record when they play together. They are excellent. That's not the problem. Harden just doesn't like that. He's relied on being the guy right now Um, with Kyrie only playing in the um, road games and um, Kevin Durant being hurt, obviously. Um, And now James Harden, he's dealing with his own injury. Um, I don't know if you watched the game against the Kings the other day, but that is one of the worst games I've ever seen from a star player ever. Um, he was terrible and he just did not give a shit. You could tell in that game. His body language, James Harden's body language in games is one of the most obvious body languages where you can tell how he's feeling um, every single time you watch him play. And this game was, he just had no effort and no care for what was happening. Um, and now he's hurt and they are purposely holding him out tomorrow. I don't know if you saw that but the Nets aren't playing him tomorrow. Uh, I don't think there was an injury designation for it. So maybe that could mean something. Who really knows? But to go back to the Sixers point, if you're trading Ben Simmons for James Harden, you're not losing anything. Like right now, they are the four seed in the East, I believe. They They are one of the top five seeds in the East, I know. Uh, They're the the five seed, but they're only behind two games from the one. And that is without Ben Simmons playing. Um, This is basically Joel Embiid just being a beast. Uh, Joel Embiid is the front runner for MVP right now. And if you don't trade Ben Simmons, I think everyone and their mother agrees the Sixers aren't going to do anything in the playoffs. Um, I know you definitely agree with me on that. Just prior knowledge. Uh, I know Tyrese Maxie has been excellent this year, but I don't think anyone's going to believe in them. You make a move where you trade Ben Simmons for James Harden, like that opens up a world of possibilities. Do I love the fit between him and and Embiid? Not really. Um, But Daryl Morey in the past has had that mindset where get two top players together. We'll figure it out later. Even if the fit doesn't work, We'll figure it out later. Now, sometimes that works out, like Chris Paul and James Harden. They almost went to an NBA Finals together, and they probably would have won it had Chris Paul not tore his, or pulled his hammy or whatever happened. Um, but it also could be a detriment to them, like the Russell Westbrook situation in Houston and that trade just being an absolute dumpster fire of what happened. Um, James Harden plays best with rim-running centers like Clint Capella. Um, Joel Embiid is not that. You cannot demote Joel Embiid's role just to fit with James Harden. Uh, Joel Embiid has been a fucking beast this year, just on every facet of the word beast. Um, And he's going to have to get his post touches and his his way with the ball because he's excelled as a passer this year. Um, But do I care that their fit isn't perfect? No. It's two top 10 players. Um, And if you can trade Ben Simmons for that and probably Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, probably will be in that trade too. Um, Maybe it's Ben Simmons and Tyrese Maxey who really knows, but you trade that you're not losing much. You're a top five seed in the East. You're just swapping them out. You're gaining only. You're not losing. You're gaining at that point. And if you're Brooklyn, I'm going to ask you this. If you're Brooklyn, you're in this situation with Harden because obviously there is some butting heads there because that's been reported by a lot of sources. There's something valid there. And you have James Harden who turned down the extension offer this past offseason. And now he's gonna they're potentially afraid he might leave this upcoming offseason. Um, what do you do if you're Brooklyn? Do you just swallow your pride and trade him now and just get a player like Simmons who. I think could fit well in Brooklyn. Um, I would like him better if it was James Harden and Kevin Durant and Ben Simmons, rather than Kyrie, Kevin Durant and Ben Simmons. But I still think you can make it work. Um, or do you just try and ride it out with James Harden and see if you can extend him? I am wondering your thoughts on this because they are in a peculiar situation.
0: Yeah. I can't remember who I saw the tweet from, but it basically was saying that if I was the GM, if I was Daryl Morey, if I was basically – in the Sixer situation, I would call Brooklyn up and be like, he's not resigning with you guys next year. It's just the truth. Like you might as well make this trade now where you can get assets. And I mean, I think Philadelphia is going to be aggressive with it. I don't think they'd have any problem because we've seen Daryl Morey, like you just said, be aggressive in the past. I don't think he'd have a problem with trading a lot in the future to kind of go all in with, like I said earlier, and be having the best season of his career. So I think that if you're Brooklyn, you have to understand that if Philadelphia lets you know, like, hey, I don't think he's coming back. I mean, I don't if if James Harden stays, I don't think he's coming back to Brooklyn. I don't know what you think about that. But um, so, yeah, that's kind of what I'm keeping in the back of my mind. I know you want to keep James Harden, but it's it's also tough at the same time, because we've said this so many times on this podcast, but Brooklyn was so close advancing to the NBA championship last year. I mean, it was basically just the shoe length. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um and that's without, I mean, obviously that was basically only Kevin Durant carrying the load. So you think even with the James Harden, um with the James Harden this year and a Kyrie Irving who only is playing away games, but you're still getting 3 to 4 games in the postseason, which is very valuable, you still think that opportunity to winning a championship is still there? Except I look at this Brooklyn team and it's just still I think a lot different than last year based on how they're playing and just obviously mm-hmm. like we just alluded to James Harden's upset it just doesn't feel like a team that even when they're not on the floor all healthy or playing together it still kind of seems weird and it doesn't feel like a situation where they're going to the finals. so I can understand Brooklyn's standpoint from I think with Harden and even getting Kyrie for away games in the postseason we have a legitimate shot at win the title I mean when you have those three guys I feel like To say you're not a title contender, it's just blasphemous at that point. Um, But at the same time, I can also see the standpoint of Philadelphia calling them and being like, look, you're not getting them next year. Don't you want to get value? And we're going to give you a Ben Simmons, who we haven't really seen as a third option before. That could be interesting. I mean, it definitely takes some load off him and maybe he succeeds because obviously as a number one option, he really didn't succeed. Um, And even under Embiid, I mean, they had a really good regular seasons, but in the postseason, they really couldn't get it to work. Maybe with a new area and a new situation, it works out. So it's tough for Brooklyn. And I realize I basically didn't answer your question, but I just don't know if there's really the right answer. Because if I'm Brooklyn, I would have no problem with them saying, we're going to stick with Harden. But if they traded him, I would also understand that standpoint.
1: But the thing is, if you stick with him, he could just up and leave. I mean, the thing is this offseason, if you look at the league, teams don't have cap space. Like if I'm Brooklyn, I'm not afraid of him walking. Um Because unless a team like Philadelphia makes a move to shed salary, like they salary dump Tobias Harris or something, because they have been looking to do that at the deadline. There have been a lot of talks about them doing that um, at the deadline so far. And um, I mean, if you look, the teams with salary cap next year are like the Pacers, the, the Magic, the the blazers are shutting salaries but so maybe that could be something uh and then the i I'm blanking detroit like james harden is not going to leave the nets for any of those teams that's not going to happen the worst you can get to happen is a sign and trade um and i'm i'm of the opinion i don't think james harden is going to return to mvp form um he has played pff, for about eight months now he has not been the same um he was playing in an mvp level last year at one point then he got hurt and just he hasn't been the same i mean this year he just has not looked that great um so i don't know if you're philadelphia and you trade all these young assets like maxi and curry and ben simmons that you're going to feel great about paying this guy for five years at 50 million a year but you want to capitalize on Joel and bead And I have another question kind of relating to that. But, um, I mean, if you look at Brooklyn right now, they've lost eight in a row. They're the seventh seed in the East right now. Um, Kyrie Irving's only playing on the road. And their star player is hurt. And if you look at this roster, like, I'm not feeling great about this roster death-wise. Like, I'm just not. Um, The only guy I really feel like is truly, because Joe Harris is hurt, um, it's not sounding good, that he's going to come back. And the only guy that I have real confidence in, in the playoffs right now is Patty Mills and maybe Blake Griffin. That's really it. Um, and we saw Blake Griffin get dogged on by Giannis a bit last year. And we also saw Nick Claxton get a little bit dogged on by Giannis last year. And they have no front court depth the front court, court depth. Um, so you go up against Giannis or a Joel Embiid in the postseason, you're going to get killed. And it, it's just a very weird situation that they are in. Um, because if you're in Brooklyn, I could see the idea of wanting to trade him for depth. I can understand that. Um, but if you're Philadelphia and you hold on to Ben Simmons, you don't get this deal done because obviously Daryl Morey has held on the Ben Simmons because he wants to get a big fish like James Harden or Bradley Beal or Damian Lillard or something like that with this Ben Simmons trade ship. And it's looking like he was right and that we were wrong to say that he should have traded him by now because one of these options is looking like it's going to come to fruition. Um, but if you hold on to Ben Simmons, you're practically just wasting a prime year of Joel Embiid where he's an MVP candidate. And Joel Embiid, we know his injury history. We don't know how long he can last. And that's really the complicated part here because if you don't trade Simmons, you're basically punting on this year. Um, but it, it's a weird situation for both these teams. And I, it's a very – I'm interested to see how it plays out. Um, we've talked way too long on this because we kind of touched on this a little bit the other day. All right. Put your fist down. Does a trade between these two teams happen before the deadline?
0: I'm kind of leaning towards yes. And I think it's just because I think Philadelphia, like we just said, I really don't think the move would have happened, but I think just because we're seeing so many teams in the NBA get aggressive and become buyers, that they're going to look at themselves and be like, look, a lot of teams, even the New Orleans Pelicans, who obviously just, we'll touch on that later, I want to classify the Pelicans as NBA contenders, but they're really trying to make the playoffs this year, and it's really capable after having that horrific start. So you're looking at how many teams are buyers, and you're like, look, if we hold on to Ben Simmons, we're not winning the finals. That—that That is the conversation going around in uh, Philadelphia, so I think they're going to do whatever it takes to make it happen. So... If, if like all the trades didn't happen, I would have said no. But because we've had such an action packed trade deadline, I yeah. say yes.
1: I, I don't know. I, I genuinely don't know what to say because I, I go, I personally, I'm leaning no because I think Brooklyn just has a better chance of just holding on to Harden than not. Um, but the thing is, if he declines his option in the offseason, And he hasn't extended yet. So that, I mean, that's fully committed
0: that that's the thing. If you're Brooklyn, you don't win the finals. He walks, you fucked it up. You fucked up.
1: The trade is a travesty.
0: Like like you're thinking back and you're like, why didn't we fucking do it? So that thought constantly goes to your mind as well. So basically you're banking on them to win a championship, but there's a really good likelihood. It doesn't happen because there's so many teams that are capable of winning it with the Suns, the Warriors. Uh, I don't want to I mean, the Bucks. you know what I mean? So. It's,
1: it's also complicated, though, because if you trade James Harden, let's say, let's say they trade James Harden for Ben Simmons. Let's say that happens. Are, do you win a title with Ben Simmons, Kevin Durant, and then half of Kyrie Irving?
0: I still, I, know, was, I still would classify them as contenders.
1: I would, too, but I don't know if I believe in that as much. I would much rather have James Harden. And Kevin I would Ryan too, for... but you
0: also can't ignore the fact that as much as James Harden has committed and said he wants to stay, you can't bank on the fact that he's going to stay. There's yes, a very agree. good likelihood that he's going to leave. At least with Ben Simmons, I can, he, would, he, he, would, he hates Philly. At least uh-huh. with Brooklyn, he's going to be like, all right, I can commit to this place. And you have a guy who's very talented, don't get it twisted, who's going to be long-term committed to your team. Yeah, there's but it's, it's it's interesting. I mean, who knows what's going to happen? Who knows what both teams are thinking? It's a lot to process.
1: Yeah. And I mean, if if you're Philly, like if you just don't trade Ben Simmons by the deadline, that's just travesty. Um, like I said, you're just wasting a year of Joel. And I mean, there are some people who think Ben's going to come back. No, no, it's not happening. I mean, the imagine him coming back and trying to play in front of a Philly crowd. you know how much of travesty that would be. there's no
0: paul rich there's no way rich paul is letting that happen no so no all right let's move on to the next trade like we said i think we talked a little bit too much on this but it was good it was a good comment it's a big story and if it happens i mean
1: it's a big deal
0: right all right so we'll move on to the first trade that happened or the first blockbuster trade that happened um in the nba trade deadline which was the Cleveland Cavaliers acquiring Karis LeVert. They got Karis LeVert, a 2022 second round pick via Miami. Um, And then uh, the Pacers received Ricky Rubio, who that's basically no one. Ricky's injured. He's going to walk next year. A 2022 first round lottery protected pick, a 2022 second round pick via Houston and a 2027 second round pick via Utah. Um, So yeah, I mean, Indiana, like we'll get to with the Sabonis, they're basically just starting fresh, rebuilding. Finally, it's what I've said on last week's podcast. They finally had to just hit the restart button. And for Cleveland, you get the LeVert, a much-needed guy on this Cavaliers team. Who a lot of people think the Cavaliers have a shot to win this whole thing, which would be absolutely remarkable if they're able to do it with Garland, um, Mobley, Allen, and now you get the LeVert. That makes for a really good starting four out of the five players. So. Sam, thoughts on this when he first saw it? Um, I know Karis is an intriguing player mm-hmm. um, ever since. I mean, a lot of people think he has potential to kind of get back to what we've seen from him before. But at the same time, he, a lot of people also can think he's overrated in the sense. So thoughts on him, thoughts on the trade for both sides, and I'll let you kick it off.
1: Um, So when I first saw this trade, I thought the Cavs really came out strong here. Um, because their wing position is really bad. Um, if you look at the Cavaliers roster, their weakest point is the wing. It's their small forward position. I mean, Mobley, Allen are amazing. Laurie marketing's had a really solid year as well. Um, I mean, they've been starting him at the three. That's how bad their three spot has been. Then you got like Isaac Okoro who says zero on offense and then Jetty Osmond, um, so they needed a wing like that. They just needed one. And Karis Levert's name was floated around. When I first saw this trade, I thought, man, good, good for the Cavs. I like this pickup because Karis Levert is a good scoring option. He doesn't really do much on defense, but he's a good scoring option. If you remember him in Brooklyn, um, I really liked him in Brooklyn before Katie and Kyrie got there. Um, so when Indiana got him, I remember we talked about this trade. I thought Indiana really came out strong because they got Karis Levert from VO, which was a steal. Um, But now I've kind of thought about it again, and I really like this trade for Indy. Um, You weren't going to re-sign him. It just wasn't going to happen. He was going to have a market. um, And Karis LeVert isn't like a near all-star. He's a solid – he's a really nice scoring wing that's pretty inefficient. Um, He's shooting 33% from three. Like he's not having that good of a season. Um, he's got some injury problems and the Pacers, obviously they're turning towards a rebuild. They were not going to re-sign him. So getting the Cavs first round pick, which is around probably going to be around 20 or so early twenties, because the Cavs are good. Um, I think that's pretty fair value. Then you get the Rockets second, which is basically pick 31 and Ricky Rubio, who's an expiring. So that gives you financial flexibility. I think this is a pretty good trade for the Pacers. It's about the right value uh, that you could get for the cat from for Karis Levert, maybe a little more um, as for the calves. I think it's solid. I think it's a good trade. I don't know if this is, would have been the, the wing option. I would have swung for if I were them, because if they're going to pay him like 25 mil a year, I would not like this trade, um, but they're probably going to end up doing so. So I think it's a, Solid trade for both sides. I would lean more Indiana, though.
0: Yeah, I think um, I kind of agree with you. I won't have a lot of differential opinion on it, but basically Cleveland, I mean, they put themselves in a situation where they basically have to repay them next season or it's Mm -hmm. really not worth it at all unless they win an NBA final, but I don't think either me or you think they're capable of winning the NBA finals this year. Even though I think Cleveland's an extremely fun team to watch, this is definitely – been the best Cavs team since 2018 they are loads of fun uh has a bunch of young players on it but I agree with you in the sense that I'm kind of leaning more towards Indiana and especially after seeing the other trade that went down we'll talk more about that when we get there it makes a lot of sense why this trade happened as well um I mean yeah I don't really know what else to say other than the fact that I don't know if I guess that's the thing. Like, I don't think LaVert makes Cleveland like all that much more like competitive. Like, yeah, they're going to be yeah. a better team, but I'm not like thinking, oh, this is the move where they're going to win the NBA finals. And like you said, like next year, when they're probably going to have to pay him in the mid 20 million dollars, like then you're thinking about it, like, oh, like, I don't know, is he really worth it? Because I think we're going to see in the back end of the season that he's all that good, but I don't think it's worth a lot that some people are saying he's out to be. So, and then for Indiana, I mean, like you said, you're just getting picks and now you're working on a situation where you're rebuilding. I want to talk more about Indiana when we get to their trade later, but I think we're more focusing on Cleveland and the only thoughts I have to really say about it is, yeah, he's a really good player, but he doesn't make them like a contender or anything.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you look at the playoffs right now, I don't view Cleveland as like a true powerhouse, um, I think they're very matchup dependent. Um, I mean, you throw them against the Heat, the Bucks, the Nets, the Sixers, and eh, maybe the Sixers they could be okay against, but I think they get killed, um, pretty much, plain and simple. The Bulls, I think they could do a little bit of work against, probably not. Um, but yeah, I I just don't love their chances.
0: And like the thing is you look at Cleveland and ex- obviously they have an extremely young team, Garland and Mobley are basically the two younger guys they have on this team. And I just don't know really how Levert's going to mesh with that. And like their future plans, I guess like if you get them and you get them to the contract extension, then it yeah. kind of works out. But I don't think, I don't know. I, I do. Don't...
1: Oh, sorry. Finish your. No, finish I just,
0: well, at least for now, they would have to incorporate or see like a big drastic improvement. And that that's like, that's asking way too much out of your young guys. Like I just mentioned, like Garland and Mobley, they're playing at a very high level for such a young age, but I don't think with the four, like the way all four of them include marketing, the five, how all five of them are playing right now. We're not going to see a title out of them. You'd have to see a drastic improvement or like another big move, but I don't see this Cleveland team making a big move because they would have to sacrifice some of those pieces.
1: Yeah, but the thing is they still have Colin Sexton to trade. Right. Um True. who had a 24 24 point per game season last year. Yeah. Um he's not a bad player. He's a good young player. Um so it's gonna be interesting to see what they do with him because I don't think they're gonna pay him now because they traded for Levert and obviously they're gonna pay Levert. Um, and then they're going to have to pay Garland, who's going to be ex- – I think he's going to be extension eligible this year. And then they obviously just paid Jared Allen a ton of money, and that was worth it. Uh, can we talk about how much Houston botched the Harden trade now, yeah, getting right. late firsts and and trading away Jared Allen and Karis LeVert? And especially
0: um, if James Harden is not there come five days from now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, then those picks could be better. That's true. They trade, That's true. true. I guess – I guess the worst situation is he plays, they don't want a title and he's like, see you guys. Then you're nah. broken. And you're like, what the fuck? And Sean Marks is punching a wall. Yeah.
1: I remember both of us when that trade happened, we were like, wow, Houston, did the worst here because you didn't get Allen or Levert, which was the worst part. We're, we're the best players. And obviously Jared Allen has had an all-star caliber season. He should have been an all-star this year. I stand by that. Um, and he wasn't even a replacement. And, yeah, I, I don't think they're going to pay Colin Sexton now, and I want to see if they trade him before the deadline, maybe get another piece on this team to make a potential run. Maybe the Hawks last year influenced them to see how good they could be because the Hawks made the Eastern Conference Finals. Maybe they see themselves as this year's version of that. Um, we'll wait and see, but uh, good on the Pacers here. I think they did solid. I don't think they like ran away with like like, amazing value, but they did good.
0: Right. And I think just because we're more leaning towards Indiana, I mean, obviously me and you, we don't have a problem with Cleveland as well. Like I'm not mad at the decision. They did it. Um, I don't think it'll like necessarily primarily work out, but I can understand why you do it. The position they're in this year, because I mean, like if Cleveland, I mean, I'm not gonna be surprised if they end up getting a top three seed in the East. I mean, they're currently in second right now, which I think only a half game or a game behind the Chicago for the first one seed. So like they're in prime position to be a really good team and come playoff time, have a high seed. So at that point, you're like, let's just kind of fucking go for it. You know, why not?
1: The only reason why I'm not as high on Cleveland here is because I just saw Norman Powell, who is a better player than Silver get traded for pennies. Um yeah. And they always say the market sets the price. Well, Norman Powell just went for pennies and then you traded all this for Karis LeVert, who is a worse player than Norman Powell. And I would have much rather had Norman Powell on the Cavs than Karis Albert, because Norman Powell has already signed for five years at a probably going to be a lower, pen, lower cost than Karis Albert will cost them.
0: Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, I guess we can move on now to the next big trade that happened, which involves CJ McCollum. Let me pull up the final details here. So the Pelicans are sending Josh Hart, Thomas Sadoransky, um, Is it Nicola Alexander Walker? Diddy Luzada? Did I say that right? Uh, it's
1: probably just a throw. I've never heard of him. He's just throwing.
0: Um, A future first round pick, a future second round pick to the Blazers. Um and the Pelicans received C.J. McCollum. And what else did they receive? Larry Lance Nance and Tony, Tony Snow. Snell. Yeah. Um, so I want to start us off, actually, um, okay. talking more so about the Blazers. I don't know if you have a lot more to say about the Blazers or the Pelicans, but I have a lot to talk about with like the Blazers. Um. So the Blazers. Obviously, they cleaned house basically to get themselves in a situation where they can restart and build around Damian Lillard. I said a week ago that I wish they would trade McCollum and Damian Lillard, because that means you're completely fucking starting over and you're going to get significant value, especially out of Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. Obviously they got some return for it. Um, So I wish they would have dealt both, but now really thinking about it. I don't hate the decision from Portland in this instance because we've seen in times past um, where it hasn't worked out the first time where you kind of build around a player, you kind of get far into the playoffs, and then it doesn't work out in the future years. And then you say, we're done. Fuck it. I mean, a prime example is Dirk after the 2006 NBA Finals. I mean, they basically built a roster with Dirk being kind of a younger-ish player and was like, all right, we're going to go for this ring. The Heat beat him. After that, it didn't work out. They cleaned house, they built around Dirk. And then obviously in 2011, they won the NBA finals. Um, go back to David Robinson and San Antonio. That same situation happened there. So I don't think we can be so ignorant to say that this isn't going to work out in the long-term situation um, with Damian Lillard because I think Damian Lillard has proven that he can be the guy on a contender to win it. You just need to build the right supporting cast around that. And it'll be interesting to see because I don't know what Portland's, in turn, GM name is, but obviously I think we can agree. We looked it up
1: last week. I know that.
0: Yeah. um, I think me and you both can agree that he is not in the long-term plans as the GM for Portland. Joe so Cronin. I think, Joe Cronin. So I think Damian Lillard is going to get a huge say of what happens this offseason, whether that be naming the GM and what the decisions the GM makes. I think he's almost going to put himself in a situation where he's calling the shots, kind of similar to what we saw with LeBron James with this Lakers team this past season, really wanting his guys and building a veteran squad and hasn't really worked out per se, but that's kind of the situation I think we're going to see with uh, Portland and Damian Lord. He says he wants to stay in Portland. Portland says he wants him. He's true to the grind, whatever the expression goes. Um, so I have no doubt that he's going to stay in Portland. Um, and it's going to be interesting because Portland is obviously going to have a shit ton of money come this off season It'll be interesting to see what they do with it. Now, I think it would be ludicrous to say they're going to get some absolutely amazing player to pair up with Damian Lillard. Picked Harden. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm like, let's be real. Who wants to go to Portland? Not a lot of people. It's a shitty area. They don't have a lot going for them right now outside of Damian Lillard, and it's just the definition over the last couple of years of a mediocre franchise. So. That runs the case. They're going to have to sign a shit ton of all right or good players, and they have a lot of roster spots available. A lot, so they're going to have to fill that up. It'll be intriguing to see what they do. Obviously, they didn't necessarily, right now they're not going to go in an instance where they go all on this season. We alluded to it back in the last episode. This is a waste. This is a like throwaway year for the Blazers. You knew that going into the season, and after um, it didn't work out, but. Anthony Simons and Damian Lillard are going to make a strong one-two because I think the Blazers really believe that Simons can be that number two based on how productive he's been this year. So I'm intrigued to see what they do this come um, this offseason, um, dealing with what players they want to build around those two players. But I think Damian Lillard's going to get a huge say in that, and I think a lot of people are hating the move from Portland's standpoint, um, but I don't necessarily hate it because. If you're Portland's, I think a lot of people understood that there was a strong likelihood you were going to move on from CJ McCollum. And people don't understand. If Portland's making moves like, all right, what do you want from CJ McCollum? Those teams have leverage over Portland. Like Portland's not just going to be like, like you're not going to get the value you think he's worth because p- teams aren't going to be like necessarily needy for CJ McCollum. But if you're um New Orleans, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, he adds what we're looking for in a trade right now. So I think initially you're going to see that um, you're not going to get the necessarily value from CJ McCollum, but I don't hate it from Portland. And then to talk a little bit about new Orleans standpoint, I know I alluded to it a little bit earlier in this podcast. Um, When Brandon Ingram's healthy, they're a really solid team. And when you get Zion back, they're going to be hopefully even better. It's just fucking annoying that Zion can't get on the court, but you run into the situation where you have Zion, Brennan Ingram, and now you bring in a CJ McCollum. Now things start to kind of go your way. I know even with Brennan Ingram coming back, they are a much better squad than what we saw at the beginning of the year. They were horrid to start the year, and now he comes back, and now they're playing a lot better. They just moved into the play-in game as the 10th seed in the Western Conference after being easily the worst team in the West. So if things progress, they get Zion back, you bring in a McCollum. They're making noise to hopefully get into that 8, 7, maybe even 6 seed come playoff time. So there's a lot up in the air with this New Orleans team. I can understand their standpoint. It makes perfect sense. I would probably say they won the trade, but I don't want to like just bash Portland because I can understand it from Portland's standpoint too. knowing that we've seen in the prior past teams have said, let's fucking move on. Let's start again from scratch with a dynamic player and it's worked. So I don't think we can necessarily rule that option from going down. Um, but I also like it from New Orleans. So. That's my thoughts.
1: All right. This trade is very interesting because obviously this trade happening and the Norman Powell trade happening are Damian Lillard has obviously agreed to these happening. Like people, some people are saying Dame's gone. No, he, he obviously has signed off on these and is okay with them rebuilding. And I've seen reports saying that that's true. Um, so he's obviously okay with what they're doing. And he's I don't think he's going anywhere. If he's signed off on this, I don't think he's going anywhere. Um, and I also don't think Portland's done. I still think they have a lot of moves they're still planning on making. Um, I think Yusuf Nurkic is gone, and I think they're they are I am seeing a lot of smoke for Jeremy Grant to Portland, by the way. Um, today. So I, I let me
0: ask I don't you know this. how I'd
1: feel about that, but
0: Let me ask you this, Um, like, really is a question. Um, I don't know if this will be a dumb one, so you can be the deciding factor. (laughs) If you ship Yusuf Nurkic, what do you have for plans as a big man moving forward? Because outside of Nurkic, you have absolutely no one.
1: Yeah, the thing is, Nurkic is, I believe, a free agent this offseason. So if they don't plan on re-signing him and you're just throwing away the season anyways, just trade him. I mean,
0: but you, you don't think that with the cap, they freed up that they don't have plans of resetting him come this off season.
1: No, I think they really want to reset this team. I, I think they are fully done with it. I think they're just done with it and they want to reset it and just use new players. I, I truly believe that. And they're just going to build their own game and try and make it work because honestly, I agree with that. I think that's the right move because how this team was constructed, they were not going to win a championship. And we've seen that many times before. The closest they got was when CJ McCollum was playing out of his mind against the Nuggets. Um, but that didn't end up happening.
0: And then they just got fucked in the Western Conference. So it didn't matter.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And CJ McCollum the past this year specifically. He hasn't been as good. I mean, they traded him late. They should have traded him a season or two sooner. Um, I mean, him for – I mean, Drew Holiday would have been a great fit next to Damian Lillard, and they probably could have done a CJ for Drew swap. They didn't do that. Um, I mean, CJ McCollum's—he's had a fine year, um, but I don't think he's like the missing piece for New Orleans. This is just a move to floor raise. It's not a move to ceiling raise for the Pelicans. Now, the Pelicans getting Larry Nance is, is a great add-on. I want to add as well as Tony Snell. Those are some very actually valuable players that they can throw in their rotation. Um, So I think, I think this is a pretty fair trade for both sides. Not really lying. I think this is pretty solid. I think first CJ McCollum, I think Josh Hart in a first is pretty equivalent to CJ McCollum because Josh Hart is a really good player. Um, He's been very valuable to the Pelicans. Uh, But, they trade him, obviously, here. I think that's a good return. He can be your backup two guard if you need him to be. Um, he'll start next to Anthony Simons while Dame's out. Um, he's a solid player. And Then you get a nice, intriguing piece of Nikhil Alexander-Walker, even though he probably – he hasn't been that great. You can still maybe develop him. And then that first-round pick, that is a good first-round pick. Like, look at it. The protections on it, it's one through four. If it, go, if it lands in the top four of the lottery, the Pelicans get it. If it lands in the five to 14 range, the Blazers get it. That is a lottery pick. Um, that is a really good pick because I personally probably don't think the Pelicans are going to make the playoffs. If it's outside of the lottery, I believe it goes to the Hornets. And then if it goes to the Hornets or the Pelicans, the Blazers get it unprotected next year, which is even more interesting. Hmm. Um, so that lottery pick is a great pick to get back. And then they also get two seconds, which is awesome. I think they you said they got two seconds. Yeah. Um, which is also great. So I think this is a good trade for both sides. I don't love it for New Orleans because I don't I think this is just a trade to save their asses and make sure people don't get fired. Um, being brutally honest here. And the thing is, it's not that big of a deal because the Pelicans, well. They have a ton of picks. They traded Anthony Davis for a treasure trove of picks. They traded Drew Holiday for a treasure trove of picks. Even though those picks are all going to be probably in the 20s, you still have a treasure trove of picks. So you can make it work. Um, Is CJ as a third option the right move? Could be. I mean, they're just banking on Zion and Brandon Ingram turning into those players that you think they will be. I mean, Brandon Ingram has already shown it. Zion, when he's flashed, has shown it, certainly. But it's all about staying on the floor. It's really all it is. And, yeah.
0: and that we cannot predict.
1: Yeah, you definitely cannot predict that. And you can't with Zion So right. at all. So I, I I, think it's solid for both sides. Um, I'm seeing a lot of people dunk on the Blazers for this trade. I'm not. I think it's okay. and. He's not really the type of CJ's not really the type of player that the Pelicans need. They need someone who can operate on the perimeter a lot more. Um, because they have a lot of they have Brandon Ingram, they have Devonte Graham. Those guys can hit in the mid range. CJ is kind of similar to that. I mean, he's he can shoot well, but he doesn't operate out there. Um, you know who would have been a really good player for this team? Who? Lonzo ball.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: We all know how that went. Um, yeah. that was a when that happened we all hated it so uh pelicans and blazers you did okay in my opinion
0: yep all right so move on to the last trade of the day definitely the worst from the side you would think you would think of the day
1: yeah
0: oh yeah well we'll see Kurt, Um, could
1: you imagine if we did this podcast like this friday with our super bowl preview in one this pod, that podcast would be like three hours if that, we didn't yeah, if we did be, these if we did all these trades on that. Oh my imagine if, if hard imagine a trade. Yeah.
0: Oh my god, we're gonna be on there for like yeah three hours. Um it's fine with me though. All right, so we'll talk about the last trade that happened, and like I said, I think we're have a lot to talk about this, and we definitely have a winner and loser for this one. It involves yeah, this, the this one. Yeah. it involves the Indiana Pacers as well, but the um, other team is the Sacramento Kings in this instance. The Pacers are sending demonte Sabonis, Jeremy Lamb, Justin Holiday, and a 2027 second round pick in exchange for Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald, and Tristan Thompson. Um, and it's really bizarre because, like you said, it was just announced last week that Halliburton was not going to be traded. I and mean, who would, I mean, and why also would you a sh-
1: month ago, he said that he wanted to embrace King's culture and turn the franchise yeah. around.
0: I mean, why would you, I mean, yeah. Why why not trade a 21-year-old who's shooting f- over 40% from three and is averaging seven, seven assists. assists? Yeah, yeah, it's not bad. Anyway. I um, went on a
1: 20-point-per-game stretch.
0: Right, yeah. And is um, a better
1: fit with your team than De'Aaron Fox? Okay.
0: I, yeah. So I want to talk. A little bit. I think you're going to have a lot to talk about with the Kings. I'll start off with the Pacers, though, um, if that's cool with you, and talk about how this is fucking great. I love it for the Pacers. <laughs> um, this is exactly what you wanted. And it's intriguing now because I think now, since they made the move, they are thinking about what they want to do with Miles Turner, obviously yeah. they could, he could stay there. I think the best decision is to trade him and just complete this ultimate re- uh, rebuild that they finally have done. I know we talked about that last podcast that it was a time coming and it's finally happened. Um and look, Sabonis don't get it twisted. Sabonis is a great player. Um, obviously he's, it's not worth the trade that happened, but you'll, we'll probably get into there when we talk about this King standpoint, but look, Tyrese and Chris Duarte building off those two guys, when you have a shit ton of picks and you have a shit ton of cap, that's going to be a lot of fun if you're Indiana and it's exactly why you want it. I mean, Indiana fans, now the prices, I bet will be much more than $1 per ticket in Indiana, which it used to be. So uh, I'm happy for Indiana. It's a great move. I know, like we said, Chris Duarte has been unbelievable in his rookie year and now Tyrese Halper and who I know we were all big fans of coming out of the draft and he's been excellent in Sacramento so far You put them on the Indiana team, and those two are just going to mesh with basically whatever young core you want to put together with those two guys. It's going to work out brilliantly. Love the trade for Indiana, and for Sacramento, it sucks. Which I'll kind of allow you to spear across now. (laughs) Um,
1: yeah, I'll quickly just say I echo everything that you just said. Um, This is a massive win for the Pacers. If you would have told them a month ago that you're trading Devonta Sabonis. You, you said, you said just now this is everything they wanted. No, 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 no. This is everything they wanted and more yeah. because they probably were just expecting, Oh, we'll get like a Nikola Vucevic package back where we get an okay young player. And like two firsts that are protected. They got Tyrese Halliburton. Right. And buddy healed. Um, buddy healed is a good player. Like, he's not bad. He's a very good player, and he has value. We just saw him almost go for um, a young uh, Kyle Kuzma and other players this offseason from the Lakers. Like, he's got value to a contending team. You could flip him if you wanted to. So getting Buddy Heald here is also a big win, in my opinion. And Tyrese Halliburton, obviously, you talk about it. He's... Incredible. He's a Wisconsin native. I've been following him for a while Uh, when he played here. He's awesome. I love Tyrese. Uh, But you don't trade him because think about it this way. Tyrese is a year and a half into his rookie contract. He's two and a half years left. You also have rights to match any contract he gets offered in restricted free agency. And based on his trajectory right now, You're matching it no matter what, Um, especially a franchise like the Kings. You would match it no matter what. So that would probably be seven and a half years of Tyrese Halliburton. Devonta Sabonis is on a pretty sizable contract till 2024. So you can either get two and a half years of later age Sabonis or seven and a half years of Young, young, up- star, young, up-and-coming all-star Tyrese Halliburton. Because I think he's going to turn into an all-star. I think he's that good.
0: I'll take Halliburton.
1: I agree. <laughs> and you get a really good role player in Buddy Hield.
0: Yeah. And look, I, I said this earlier. I think the trade sucks for yes. Sacramento. Yes. I will yes. say, though, I think a lot of people are underestimating Sabonis. I think Sabonis is a really solid player. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense on Sacramento no. because De'Aaron Fox, who I have just praised and, you know, he's my favorite player in the league. And at this point I'm starting a hashtag and a slogan where it's free De'Aaron Fox. Cause he needs to get the fuck out of there. But I think the Kings think they can form something with those two guys. And you just can't, I mean, they're both really solid players, but De'Aaron Fox has been a little bad this year compared to what I've seen in the past. He's on a massive contract, um he's been he's injured right now he's going to be injured he hasn't played in like a month so if you're sacramento it's just kind of a weird instance like you're not going to make any noise this year is your goal to get a third start because just with those two you're not going to go anywhere in the playoffs so i know we were talking about it when you said sabonis we were going through all the teams and we got sacramento and we're like no that doesn't make any sense because it doesn't it doesn't make any sense and still the trade happened for sacramento Um, and look, I know a lot of people are also saying why didn't, um, Sacramento trade De'Aaron Fox instead of Tyrese Indiana doesn't want De'Aaron Fox. Like they much, like a lot of teams aren't going to want De'Aaron Fox right now, especially given the fact, like I said, he's injured. I think he's a great player. I love De'Aaron, but he's also on a massive contract. You have to keep that in mind. Tyrese Halliburton is basically playing for nothing at this point, like you alluded to earlier. So that's why teams value Halliburton so much more than, uh, Darren Fox. And yeah, it makes sense getting rid of Darren Fox. Like Sacramento should have done that, but I guarantee you, they at least tried and what they were going to return was not what they were looking for.
1: Yeah. And obviously they did this trade also to open up minutes for Davion Mitchell, which Davion Mitchell has been pretty solid. So I, and I love Davion Mitchell. If you remember pre pre pre-draft, I praised him a ton. Um, So sure do that, but you could play him alongside Tyrese do you all right? And you also brought up Miles Turner. I actually don't think Miles Turner gets traded now, um, because he's 26 and I think he fits the timeline and he's a really good player. So honestly, I think they're gonna keep Miles Turner now. I don't think they're gonna trade him because they got such a good return for um they got players back, which fit the timeline. So why break it up? You know, and if you're not gonna get a like I don't think you would get a lottery pick for Miles Turner. I think you get like a lottery protected first. If you're just getting salary filler and lottery protected picks, I don't I'm not trading Miles Turner for that. I wouldn't do that. Um like I heard a rumor about Gordon Drodrick and a first from the Raptors for him. I wouldn't do that. Um So I don't think they're going to trade Turner now because now the Sabonis Turner thing has been resolved. That has been a big topic of debate the past few years on who are they going to pick? Who are they going to figure out first? They haven't traded either of them for years and we've been debating about it for so long, but that team is so stuck in mediocrity. They wouldn't do it. Um, I think they're going to keep Turner now because he is the prototypical modern center you want. And thing is Sabonis with the Kings thing you're trading him to a team that plays Rashawn Holmes and that they're, I just don't know if I love the fit there either. Right. We talked about it. Like if you're going to trade Sabonis to the Kings, you probably trade Rashawn Holmes or something like that. I mean, the fit can work probably they'll make it work somewhat, but the Kings team is not built to win go the playoffs. These are, star players, Darren Fox and Sabonis, star in quotes, they're really good players, but they don't win you a playoff series. They get you in a playing game, maybe, but that doesn't get you anywhere. Um, This franchise is so dead set on just trying to get over the speed bump when they should be really looking to get over the hill. That's what they should be doing. great quote. It's true. And that's what the Kings are as a franchise. That's all they do. They go speed bump at a time, but they never go Hill. And that's just what ultimately has had them fall back to the bottom of the Hill every single time. And it's very, very, very frustrating. And I've dabbled in looking at Kings fans all day and they are pissed. They are furious about this trade. um, May I add? So um, yeah, this was awful. absolutely in the second round pick they also got the kings got it's top 55 protected so it's essentially fake um this trade is a joke i think the Kings should be king's fans should be mad at their franchise for this and um yeah great job pacers i think they've had a very excellent deadline so far um I don't know if they're going to trade anyone else. Maybe Miles Turner. Woj kind of alluded that they're going to keep him, and I think they're going to keep him now. I don't know who Possibility. else.
0: Possibility. Well, and also like I run to an instance where you said, yeah, you don't know about the value you're going to get in return for Miles Turner, but I also could see an instance, and I don't want to keep bringing this team up, but like if Charlotte, we get near the like deadline and they want to get aggressive and they're needy for like a positional great fit there they could send a lot more than we're anticipating for, for a miles Turner and Indiana's yeah. like, all right, we love miles, but we're again, going to stock up on cap space, draft picks, etc. So I could also see that happening as well. So, yeah, it's,
1: I don't, I don't think he'll get traded. The only stuff, I mean, Indiana has traded all their cards except miles Turner, uh, Justin holiday and Jeremy lamb were in this trade. So those were the other pl- players I could have saw get traded to like contenders, mm-hmm. uh, but they go with the Kings. All so right. that's kind of funny, but Indiana had a great, it did a great job. They did uh, at this deadline. So uh, ups to you. Fuck you Kings. Because What's
0: the, um? you know, the, you know, know that, that mini series that I think you watch it's like Chernobyl. Or Chernobyl's whatever. amazing. amazing. Yes. Um, have I you saw watched this- it? It's on my watch list. I need to.
1: It's five uh, episodes, Kurt. It's so good.
0: Anyway, so I saw this tweet and it was like, I'm currently on King's Twitter or no, sorry. I'm on currently on King's Reddit and is way more toxic than Chernobyl ever was. So <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> I
1: I saw screenshots from the King's Reddit and it everyone's on Twitter now posting that fucking stupid <laughs> post. Yeah. Oh my God. It is. It's the greatest edit I've ever seen in my life. It's, and it's great. Oh, all sports I, culture has posted a ton of great edits. I just made fucking Harambe in a Bengals jersey the other you day. You should have thought about that. Um, But Kings man, Kings fans, I am so sorry. Um,
0: Kurt, it's just like constant never winning.
1: Like at least with the Pelicans, you can be like, these two players they have at their centerpiece are great. You've made bad decisions. But this CJ McCollum trade at least gets you maybe to the playoffs so I can understand the Pelicans trade because they have the pieces in place. The Kings had pieces. They just needed more time because, but they traded the pieces. Do you honest question? Do you think they could have gotten Sabonis without trading Tyrese? If they were so set on getting Sabonis, do you think they could have done like a buddy healed plus picks package for him? I think so. I think they could have done it too.
0: Yeah, I think they could have.
1: Which which is all yikes. the more infuriating. <laughs> yeah,
0: which makes the situation that much worse. I but, just
1: I just imagine that phone call went. They're like, hey, uh, the Pacers call up the Kings. They're like, hey, can we get De'Aaron Fox for uh for Have you, uh, have you,
0: see, have you seen yeah. the video of when the Kings drift, draft Nick Stauskas? Uh, I saw it a while ago. I don't remember so what So funny. Though. It's like. The draft room, like, you think they'd never have drafted a player in their life. They're like, who should we go with now? And the GM's like, I don't know. And everyone's like, Stauskas. And the GM's like, okay, Stauskas. <laughs> and, and it's just, like, so bad. I'm like, oh, this is horrible to watch. All right. It's
1: like they just watch college highlights. And yeah, right. like, Yeah, that guy is a hooper, like the GM's a basketball like, basketball player. GM's
0: watching his, like, highlights in the national championship against the <laughs> They're like, oh, he got to the natty? let's get fucking nick stauskas baby
1: i mean they didn't draft luca because the owner didn't like luca's dad so that's
0: good that's that's also
1: and now marvin bagley might get traded for a bag of rocks uh he (laughs) hasn't done anything god the kings man i i'm do they even have fans anymore like
0: i i want to be i'm sorry all right he's got the uh Wait no, that's San Francisco. <laughs> yeah, like,
1: well, let's let's run through these fucking coaching hires really yeah, quick because we talked about these trades a ton.
0: No, it was good. It was a great. Dialogue. It was
1: great. It was a great conversation.
0: Though. So I'll read off all nine, I think, of the, uh, hirings that happened in the NFL um, coaching world. Um, we'll just kind of give our brief thoughts on it. Won't spend too much time on it. Um, but the New Orleans Saints hired Dennis Allen, their former defensive coordinator, who had a head coaching stint with the Raiders, I believe it was before, for two years. Yes. Um, and then the Houston Texans hired Lovey Smith, um, the ex-Illinois and ex-NFL head coach. Um, Jacksonville yep. Jaguars hired Doug Peterson, former Eagles head coach, won the Super Bowl, obviously, with them. Um, the Miami Dolphins hired Mike McDaniel, the 49ers offensive coordinator, who has really made his way up the NFL ladder. The Vikings have hired Kevin O'Connell, former Rams offensive coordinator, who we both have praised many times. The New York Giants have hired Brian Dable, former Bills offensive coordinator. Las Vegas Raiders have hired Josh McDaniels, former Patriots offensive coordinator. The Bears have hired
1: offensive coordinator. Call.
0: Right. The Bears have hired Matt Eberfluss. Is that how you say it? The last Eberfluss, name? Yeah. Eberfluss, former Colts defensive coordinator. There we go. There, there we is. go. There and we then go. back to us, off- coordinator with the Broncos hiring Nathaniel Hackett, former Packers offensive coordinator. And that is all for the NFL coaching cycle. So, I mean, uh, a lot which of ones we- do you not want to talk about? <laughs> um let's go through it
1: so i don't think we need to talk about dennis allen that was pretty obvious i mean the thing we should talk about, i mean sean payton retiring was like just wow weird. that well, was out it, of nowhere
0: it's gonna come i mean he'll come back a year now, he'll so. be the dallas head coach next year oh that's not sad twist, sad so. um let's talk i mean i think we could talk we'll talk about lovey smith right now since that was the second one i brought yeah. up um i how much of an upgrade is him over david culley Cause I don't see any Josh McCown would have been a massive upgrade. If you ask me, I just Houston. I, I don't get it. Like you had the options of David Cully, who we didn't like the hiring at the time, but outperformed expectations. Yes. I and mean, he was really good. Showed a lot of pray like promise with his team. Um, Then you had the option of Brian Flores, which they said, no, which I'm like, what the fuck? Well, well,
1: the Brian Flores thing is, yeah. separate well i we'll talk about it, i guess a little
0: bit um and then you stick with lovey smith and look
1: i don't and, think and our guy Gerard Mayo.
0: i fact, that's the worst part I, you can't that,
1: believe you can't hire them
0: they're, they're Sully, with, i sully's at nbc right now just crying he's in the crying court. he's like where the fuck is jared mayo my thing is i don't think lovey smith's like the worst coach in the world but that man was shit at illinois at illinois how do you think he's gonna be at Houston, I don't expecting too much out of him. So, I mean, like, Houston's going to be awful next year. So he's probably going to get fired after next year as well. Like we saw with David Cully, which you're just running into like a weird thing. What are you What are you doing if you're Houston?
1: I don't know. Um, I mean, Lovey Smith was okay in the NFL. He's like a 500 record. Um, I this hiring feels like all right, we're going to fire David Cully because we want to get one of these top candidates with like Brian Flores. Um, And then Brian Flores, this thing happens and they're like, oh, we can't hire Brian Flores because anti-owners, we can't hire someone who's anti-owner. Okay. What about uh, Josh McCown? We really love Josh McCown. Oh, could you imagine if we fired a minority coach to hire a guy who didn't coach at all in the NFL? You know, the backlash we would get, especially not hiring Brian Flores as well in that situation. So they're like, all right, let's just hire a defensive coordinator. That's really what they did. Yeah. And it, it's the most lateral tr- move you could ever make. And when Ian Rappaport tweeted, uh, they're hiring Lovey Smith to be their head coach in 2022, and I'm like, yeah, that, that's pretty much right. He's probably not going to last more than a year, which right. is sad. And they said they're going to put Josh McCown on their coaching staff. They literally hired him just so they can get Josh McCown on the coaching staff. So they can hire Josh McCown unreal. next year. Yeah. Oh unreal. my God.
0: Um, all right. So then Doug Peterson with the Jaguars. I actually don't mind this. I mean, Doug Peterson's obviously shown like he's been in the league. He's won a super bowl. He's shown that he can win at the highest level. I'm intrigued to see what he can do with Trevor Lawrence. He obviously was great with Carson Wentz. Um, in that one season, Nick Foles, that same season, um, same case scenario. So I think we're going to see an upgrade from Trevor Lawrence next year. I don't really have too much to say other than, say, hiring a veteran head coach. I get it. Makes sense.
1: Yeah, I called this on our uh, predictions pod for this. I called Doug Pearson to Jacksonville. Um, do you want to talk about them fumbling
0: Byron Lefwich? I, I know we've talked a little bit in, like on this podcast, but... That was not good.
1: That was not good. No, they picked Trent Bulky over Byron Leftwich and Adrian Wilson, which is just sad.
0: That's really good. Keep it up, Jacksonville. I,
1: I, if you guys remember, if you were a listener in the 2020 season. Um, I was dogging on Doug Peterson the entire year. You remember this, probably. I do. I was. We
0: got the video up on the YouTube still.
1: Oh yeah, we do. <laughs> um, I was so critical of Doug Peterson that entire season. I was like, if you don't fire this man, you are stupid. Um, he he was a big problem for Philadelphia that year, but also Carson Wentz being the worst quarterback in the NFL didn't help. Um, but yeah, I. I, I get it because I, I get why you hired him. I saw it coming from a mile away because if you're you just had a toxic environment with Urban Meyer and personality, so you get Doug Peterson in there, who is a QB friendly, um, great environment, great leader, head coach. Um, obviously, he did that fucking ice cream thing in Philadelphia for years. So, He's he's like a family-oriented coach, and that's what Jacksonville needs. Uh, do I think he'll be their head coach forever? No, I don't. And yeah, I mean, it's a it's a safe hire. I think it's fine. I don't think he really elevates you that much. Um, because that Philly roster was just so good in 2020 and 2018. Um but, yeah, I would have rather gone with Byron Lefwich and Adrian Wilson, but obviously Shad Khan is stupid and kept the guy who has had nothing but failure in his career in the NFL.
0: Yep. And then we got Mike McDaniel going to the Dolphins. Uh, really cool story to see kind of where he started, um, was the intern. I don't know what what team, but basically it was just an intern, then worked his way up to like an offensive assistant. Then he was a wide receivers QBs offense coordinator is now getting his head coaching role at such a young age. Mike McDaniel is a brilliant line. Anyone who follows the NFL saw that 49ers offense last year, and there were just so many fun plays incorporated. Um, He's sticking with Tua next year. I think that's pretty certain. Um, So it'd be intriguing to see what he can do with Tua. I mean, we've, I mean, especially me and Sully, we have definitely disregarded Tua many times, but I think Mike McDaniel is a great hire. I mean, fascinated to see what he can do with this Dolphins team that has playmakers like Jalen Waddle, Mike Kosecki, um, and now you have to throw Tua to the mix. And, I mean, say what you want about Jimmy G. He won games. Mike McDaniel was – you got to give him respect in that regard.
1: Yeah, uh, I like this hire. I think it's really good. Um, do I think they still should have kept Brian Flores? Probably. But if you want to help out offensively with Tua, I get it.
0: Hey, and at least they didn't hire a defensive coach. Like you said, you would have <sighs> thrown a fist if they did I would
1: have literally been so mad if they did that. Um, but, yeah, Mike McDaniel, I think that's a good hire. It was between him and Kellen Moore. If they would have hired Kellen Moore, I would have hated it. Um, Same. But they did uh, Mike McDaniel, who I actually really like. Do I think it might be a year too early for him? yes but I'd rather get my coach a year too early than a year too. two. So saying that's what, that's what we set up brand
0: um, Staley or that's our expression.
1: Yeah. He's, he's oh, fucking hilarious. If you watch his interviews, he's so funny, he is funny. Um, and he's a mastermind in the run game. Uh, so Miami, basically what I'm saying is it, hopefully Chris Greer talks with Mike McDaniel and they finally draft offensive line and get you a running back that isn't a seventh round pick so
0: right yeah i agree next up we got kevin o'connell to the minnesota vikings isn't official yet because it has to be done after the super bowl i'm gonna keep this quick um i loved kevin o'connell when he was the offense coordinator at washington um i thought we should have stuck with him over scott turner and look he was right scott turner is really bad at calling <laughs> plays kevin o'connell made Dwayne haskins look good he made Matthew Stafford, outside the last couple of games we saw at the end, have a really good season and been fantastic in the postseason. And it's a great hire. And I'm intrigued. And I think Kirk Cousins will have a really solid year after what we've seen with Kevin O'Connell's success with coaching quarterbacks. Yeah, this is
1: my second favorite hire of the cycle. I think this is great. I love it. I think it's perfect for the Vikings. Um, uh, basically, all I have to say other than that is bet on every single over for Justin Jefferson. That's all I have to say, because he is going to feast in this system. That's pretty much it.
0: Yeah. And then Giants hired Brian Dable. I think we've talked a little bit about this. This was one of the earlier hirings. Um, Patrick Graham did decide to leave though, and they got uh, Martindale, Wink Martindale, correct, as their defensive coordinator. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a really solid replacement. I think Patrick Graham obviously is the better DC, but him going to Vegas, which is crazy. I mean, I can't believe that happened, but whatever. Um, They're building themselves a nice coaching staff with Mike Kafka. Is that how you say it? The uh, Chiefs quarterback coach being their offensive coordinator. So that three-man trio is going to be really solid for the Giants next year. Brian Dable was rumored to be a head coach for the last couple of years. He finally gets it here in New York. So solid hire. Again, don't really know what else to say.
1: Yeah, I think this is the best hire of the cycle. Um, I was really praising for Brian Dable last year, uh, as well as it was Brian Dable, Arthur Smith and Eric the last year for me. I remember really pioneering for those guys um, and Brian Dable, Eric the did not get jobs. Eric the did not get a job again this year. Uh, but Brian Dable here, I think the staff he has made, like you just talked about, has been excellent. Uh, this is one of the best staffs I've ever seen assembled for a first time or a first time head coach. Um, this is an excellent staff, and uh, their GM and he's looking good. He's made some good decisions so far. So uh, go showing.
0: Is that how you say it?
1: Yeah, we should have gotten a solely quote here, but this is a this is a really good hire. I yeah. love this hire.
0: And then we got Josh McDaniels going to Vegas, which we both this is, it sucks. I hate it.
1: Yeah. I don't like this. Uh, yeah. And I think they're not, big, Patrick Graham's good. I like that. All yeah, um, right. But Josh McDaniels, like, would they, you have rather have kept Rich Bisaccia? Yes. And now he's your guy. Yeah. He's yeah. our special teams coordinator. So uh, your special team's is really going to
0: go from the worst to the best next year.
1: <laughs> no, we're going to go from like the worst to average. And I honestly, I'm so okay with that. Yeah. Um, I will take anything above uh, average. I, I literally. But- I will cheer if we field a punt and don't run. That's that's how much I don't I care about my special teams right did
0: now. Did you the see the, the quote point. from Nate Hobbs on Rich Pasquiccia? I did. I was... He's a great man. Uh, that hit, yeah. hit soul. Uh
1: McDaniel sucks. I don't like him. Um, he already
0: failed as a head coach too. So it's like
1: he has. I remember in our coaching cycle for the Packers, he was a top candidate for us. I did not want him at all. Thankfully, we got sexy asshole floor um <laughs> and now josh mcdaniel it it really just feels like mark davis just wants big names does yeah. it
0: does it feel like that to you it does the josh thing all happened way too fast too like i remember it was rumored then like a day later is like they're hiring him i was like oh I it's because they guys. got
1: i guarantee you it's because they interviewed he interviewed that gm candidate because they fired um mike mayock and he interviewed that GM candidate, and apparently he like, asked him what the ideal head coach would be, and he said, Josh McDaniels. <laughs> and then the guy's like, oh, I could get you, Josh McDaniels. And he's like, what? Well, anyone like, could. <laughs> Patriots OC? Oh, I'm, I'm hiring you and your yeah. buddy. Yeah, it, it was really quick. Like, it took a day, and it was like – it felt very weird. And just – I don't know. I don't like the hire.
0: Yeah, then we got the Bears signing Matt Iberfluss, Iberfluss, whatever it is. I'm indifferent about it. Um, I know funny. a lot of people were wanting Chicago to go offensive oriented because of Justin Fields, which makes a lot of sense, but he had a lot of success with Indianapolis' defenses. Chicago's defense is going to become really good. Um, there we go.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, Chicago's defense is already really good. Um, I don't know if they're keeping Sean Desai. I don't know yet. Um, who I really like as their DC. I think they actually said they're bringing one of the Colts coaches over as DC. So we'll see what happens with Desai, but, um, they hired, uh, our quarter, the Packers quarterback coach to be their OC. So they're going to be running the, um, wide zone offense. So I like that fit for Justin Fields. I do. Um, but I guess they just didn't want to go offense because of Matt Nagy. They just right. didn't feel like doing that again. And, I mean, okay. But um, long-term, we'll see how that helps Justin Fields. We'll see.
0: And then the last one is Nathaniel Hackett to the Broncos. You probably have all, like, more than me to say because you are familiar with what he's done. Um, Broncos, I mean, makes sense. You had a really successful yeah. offense in Green Bay. Um, they want to reincorporate that in Denver so
1: yeah he's Hackett is the funniest dude ever he is so (laughs) exuberant he is so people person-y he's basically what I'm getting at is he's the complete and polar opposite of what Vic Fangio was yeah um and that and I mean Vic Fangio he's a defensive mastermind I don't know how he doesn't have a coaching job yet at least as a defensive coordinator right um (laughs) because he is one of the best defensive coordinators in the NFL. You could argue he's the best. Um, but Hackett is just complete – personality-wise, he's the complete opposite. Off, If you want an idea of what he brings you offensively, um, he's going to run our system there. And uh, he brought the Jacksonville Jaguars with Blake Bortles to the AFC Championship. So I should tell you – at least the quality you got. He didn't call plays for us, so take that as you will. Once he got, like, really successful offenses, he wasn't calling the plays. So that's, like, the one thing you would be skeptical, skeptical about because he wasn't too successful with the Bills when he called plays with Buffalo, but Buffalo also didn't have talent. Um, and then, obviously, when he was in Jacksonville, he only had that one year of success, but that was also because Jacksonville's defense was elite. Um, so we'll see how he does as head coach. And uh, we'll see how that works with getting Aaron Rodgers there because that's definitely their plan. Then they're not hiding it.
0: Yeah, exactly. So that's going to be it. We went through our thoughts on the trades, uh, went through our thoughts on the NFL head coachings. Um, so, yeah, we'll be back on Friday with probably our Super Bowl predictions pod. Uh, we'll go do a whole uh, rundown of that. Deadline um, recap, too, as well. Probably we'll do that as well. Um, There's
1: not going to be as many big trades, hopefully. Oh, well, I want big trades, right. obviously, but um, probably won't be as much to talk about unless fucking Ben Simmons gets traded for James Harden.
0: <laughs> yeah, so we'll see. But thank you guys all as always for listening. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at all sports culture, and make sure you hit that five star rating because that'd be much appreciated. So thank you guys, and we will see you guys next week.